What a great story, right? I mean, we should have had that on Valentine's Day, but we didn't. It's a great story. I love the story because God works in the ordinary, yet faithfully. I mean, getting married, finding the love of your life is as old as Adam and Eve. I mean, we see this all the time. Now, today we use apps like Tinder or other things. I mean, I don't. I don't. <laughs> My wife is teaching CKs, but I don't use those things. But that's out there. Yet God still works in the ordinary, very faithfully. Isaac needed a wife for his son. He needed, not for his wife, he needed a wife. He needed a wife, and not just any wife, because this was the promise. He was the only child that could continue this promise that the Lord had given, that Abraham would be the father of many, many nations. So Abraham knew this was important, that his son would be married, and that he would have a helpmate or someone who would walk with him in this journey of faith. So he sends a servant, and the servant is unnamed. But what I love about this servant is that Abraham discipled him. This servant wasn't just some worker in his household, in his oikos. This servant knew the Lord because Abraham had taught him about the Lord. Or at least that's what I'm assuming. He knew that he needed to pray. He knew he needed to have the Lord's help in this task that seemed pretty impossible. And kind of daunting, right? Your boss sends you to go find the wife for, your, for his son? I mean, just, you got to step in that. Think of your boss right now and go, oh yeah, I'm going to go out and find your wife for your son. Not just any wife, but a beautiful wife. I mean, I bet the servant was a, sweating a little bit, even when he approached Isaac, going, boy, I hope she likes her. Right? This is a big task. But Abraham had prepared his servant for it because he had taught him to depend on the Lord. And not just to depend on the Lord, but to listen. Let's look at the scripture, chapter 24, Genesis. Oh, Lord God, my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing here beside the spring and the young women of town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I'll know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. So now before he does this, Abraham actually tells a servant before he even leaves, don't worry because the angels of the Lord will show you the way. 
What's interesting is that after the story gets going, we don't hear about the angels of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that they weren't working, but they weren't visible. And this servant obviously didn't have an encounter that he goes, oh, before Rebecca showed up, an angel of the Lord said, that one. He didn't have a burning bush go, Rebecca. <laughs> right? He didn't have a dream that night going, she's going to be Rebecca. No. He walked up to this watering place and said, so Lord, I don't know who it should be, but I'm going to just put it out there. If this lady comes up and offers me a drink, and then she, not just me, because I, you know, anyone would offer me a drink, but my camels, if she gives my camels a drink, that's the one. He just puts the task before the Lord and says, Lord, I'm going to listen to see if you respond. He knows, even in this request, that he should be humble. He uses the word please, which already denotes that he's releasing control. He's saying, this is what I want you to do, Lord. But if you don't, then I know today is not the day that you'll show me another way. But he's willing to sit there and see, will the Lord come through? And I love this part of him saying this prayer. You can almost see him praying, and then he looks up, and all these women are there, walking towards him. I think we can learn a lot as children of God from Abraham's servant. When we set out to do a task, whether it's minor or major, normal or abnormal, do we commit it to prayer? How many of you did something this last week and you didn't offer any prayer? Yeah, this is the time that you just raise your hand. <laughs> you know, I do this with you just to help you be humble. I did it so many times as I'm preparing the message, I realized, oh yeah, I didn't pray about that. So there's like a flu thing going on, right? Across the nation. Well, Leah came home sick on Friday. Small fever. And if you've spent time with me, you know that normally we don't go see a doctor unless it's major, right? But I saw this news report, and then I guess I was not thinking straight. Because as Sarah and I went to bed, and we had sent Aaliyah to bed, and she had a little bit of medicine. I said, yeah, did you hear that news report about the kid? Um, the brother said that everything was normal with his brother, and the next day he died. I wasn't thinking very well. Sarah didn't sleep well, right? But then I realized when I woke up in the morning, 
My intention was to pray for my daughter that everything was safe. But I woke up in the morning going, I didn't pray for Aaliyah to get well. So often we forget that our Lord is in everything. And yet the tasks that we go about, just living life, we seem to think, well, I'll include you when I need you. I'll include you when it gets really scary. I'll include you if I remember. But this servant sees that the Lord is ultimately always in control. He's in control of this task that his master Abraham had given him, and he's in control of whether or not he would complete it. But even as he steps up from his prayer and he sees all these women walking towards, he's still amazed. Now, I think about that. And I go, now, how many times has that happened with me that I'm praying for something and then it's actually happening? Have you guys experienced that? But then I'm not thinking that he's actually answering it, right? I mean, God wouldn't answer your prayer like that. I mean, sometimes we've got to work for it, which isn't theologically correct. But often we go, oh, there's no way he would answer unless I prayed really hard. I've got to pray a little bit harder. So in Genesis chapter 24, verse 21, the servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. I know I've thought before, have I made the prayer too general? Yet God is answering it. Or maybe I didn't make it hard enough for him to answer. So I put something out there like, give me a drink and water all my camels. And she does it. But then I go, maybe I should have said, and feed them too. Then I would know for sure. See, we have a little bit of doubt that comes in. Or a wonder. Would God really answer my prayer? Can I really hear his voice? Would he actually take time to speak to me? Does he actually see value in what I'm about? Does his plan really include me? But the servant doesn't give up, even in his doubt. Even in his wondering, is the Lord really answering this prayer or not? He just presses in a little bit more. See, I think we can learn a lot from this servant on how you listen to the Lord when you may not just hear his voice, when you may not have an angel step in front of you, when you may not have a visible sign that says, this is it, you keep pressing in. So he asks a few questions. He finds out, oh, she's the one. And he gets really, really excited. My wife is a great example of this this past week. Some of you may know, some of you may not. She got a promotion this last week. 
Isn't that great? So she's the new assistant principal at Travis Elementary. So, but it didn't just happen that way, right? Before all this happened, she didn't even think about being assistant principal. And then their assistant principal left, and a few people spoke to her and said, why aren't you applying for this? And she prayed and thought, well, maybe the Lord is opening this door. So she went in and talked to the principal, and the principal said, I can't lose you as the magnet coordinator right now. There's too much going on, so not now. So Sarah, she didn't go, well, you have to have me as assistant principal. Of course I'm the right person. She took that. She took it back to prayer. She prayed about it and said, well, maybe the Lord is just saying not yet. Within a couple days, the principal shows up to our house, and he goes, I really think you need to be the assistant principal. <laughs> right when she had already released it, then he steps back in and gives it right to her. I wonder how often we forget that the Lord is in things, even when they're not working out exactly the way we think they should. I wonder how often we neglect praying or we think God just isn't interested when things don't keep moving ahead exactly how we thought they should. And then I wonder how we respond. Too often I've seen, and this is in this church and in other places of ministry as well, in families that I've worked with, is that we've prayed for something for them as a family, as a collective, as a congregation. They receive it. And then once they don't need God anymore, they're gone. Now, we're not like that because we're all here, right? But how often does that happen that we pray to the Lord for something and our response is not one of awe and amazement and worship, but it's on to the next thing? Well, thanks, to, you know, thanks God for that, but now we got this. Thanks God for that, but for me to really enjoy this, I need to have this. Or we just totally forget. We may not even realize that he gave it to us until years go on before we finally focus back on to what the Lord has been doing in our life. Not year by year. Not week by week and not day by day, but minute by minute. Well, the servant, again, can teach us something. Verses 26 and 27. The man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. How often when we receive exactly what we've been asking for, do we have the ability to not worry about what anyone else thinks? but just praise the Lord. I mean, I know you guys have been there. You've been in the circumstance where it's happened in the job place where the Lord answers a prayer, but you look around and you go, I'll 
or you're in a situation where you just can't because people would look at you strange. But this guy bowed down. He prostrated himself, which means he laid on the floor, on the ground, as low as he could get, saying, it was not me that did this. It was not me. It was the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. The moment you worship the Lord is a strong acknowledgement that whatever has been accomplished was not from you. Whenever you worship the Lord, it is an acknowledgement that it is Him and not you. In the day-to-day tasks that we go about, how often do we take credit? When really the credit is due to Him. Verses 33 and 42. We come together weekly to testify in worship, right? That Jesus is who? He is your... He's done everything for you, right? That Jesus died for us, they rose again. It is God who through his spirit works faith in us, right? In our worship, we are celebrating God's work for us, in us, and through us, right? So when we do that, we acknowledge that he is the best thing and has done everything for us. We've done nothing. So Genesis chapter 24, it says, Then the food was served, but Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I've told you why I've come. All right, Laban said, tell us. So today when I came to the spring, I prayed this prayer. Oh Lord God, my master Abraham, please give me success in this mission. So what I love about the learning that we get from this servant is not only did he worship, which is acknowledgement that the Lord did everything, but then he testified. Just in case they didn't get it. Then he tells the whole story exactly, this is how it came about. I prayed, then the Lord showed me, then this happened, then I pressed a little bit further, and Rebecca was the one. It wasn't me, but it was the Lord. So testimony is our story. Testimony is the story of Jesus breaking into our story and saying, you have not done everything right, but because of me, I've made everything right. You didn't have a place at the table, but now because of me, you have a place at the table. And testimony is our greatest weapon against the powers of darkness and Satan himself. 
Revelation chapter 12 says this, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power from the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you have, who live in the heavens rejoice. The terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. They have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. So Abraham's servant, he knows he can't do this task alone. He prays. Abraham's servant knows that he needs to get his ear tuned into what the Lord is doing. So he listens and he presses in with more questions. He is confirmed that the Lord is at work. And then Abraham's servant bows down and worships. And then after he worships, he testifies of what the Lord does in his life, in the life of Isaac. Jesus, his sacrifice, his story is our weapon in a world of chaos. The moment we testify that Jesus is doing something is the moment that Satan begins to flee. The moment we testify that we actually have been changed and transformed by the power of Jesus, by his blood, every time someone receives that story and makes it their story, every time, Satan is lost. Every time. The problem is that too many of us neglect to actually tell the story. And not just about Jesus dying and rising again. That's the larger story within the day-to-day -day story of God's faithfulness. We neglect to tell the story when we go into the workplace and God has done everything but we decide to exclude him from those conversations. It's important to go about as an oikos, as a family, to go about our life listening. And what does that look like other than trying to hear God's voice? Which means we pray. And then responding to him. When we hear that push upon our heart or when we see the word clearly before us or when, and really the best way to practice listening, listen to someone who often points you to the Lord, but you don't often like to hear what they have to say. Listen to each other, right? Listen to someone who says, when you want to go buy something big, maybe you should give your money away. You don't like to hear that, right? You're going to go buy something cool, and then someone goes, have you given to church lately? You don't want to hear that. Or when someone, when you know this is what you're going to do, and they go, have you prayed about it? 
You don't want to hear that because you've already made your decision. What do you mean pray about it? I don't need to pray about it. I already know what I'm going to do. This is us changing how we tune in and start to listen to the Lord. And I believe it is exemplified when we begin to listen to each other. Now, some of us, let's just claim it, we're idiots at times, right? So that doesn't mean that every time someone says something, oh, it's from the Lord. When it is in tune with Scripture, with what we know has been revealed as God's Word, Tony says something to me, even if I don't like it, if it's in line with the word, I hope I listen. I hope I can scrape away my pride enough to listen. And then when I listen, I hope that I respond. that I take that invitation and I begin walking in that way, that in the middle of seeing God at work, I start to worship him, regardless of what's going on. And then I tell the story. Genesis chapter 24, verses 54 and 56. Then they ate their meal, and the servant and the men with him stayed there overnight. But early in the next morning, Abraham's servant said, send me back to my master, but we want Rebekah to stay with us here for at least 10 days, her brother and mother said. Then she can go. But the servant said, don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return to my master. As I was reading the story, I really thought, man, this is where God's children can get tripped up. Maybe we're diligent about praying and listening. Maybe we are working and practicing on how to hear God's voice. Maybe we're responding to it as well, that we hear the invitation from the Lord and we go, okay, I'll trust you. I'll trust you in this. I'll do it. May have a little fear, may have a little doubt, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. And maybe we see him at work and we start to worship, right? And we start to build what he wants us to do next. And then in the middle of it, someone has a legitimate thing like, like this brother and mother. You say, well, we just want to hang out with her for 10 days. I mean, that's not bad, right? I mean, she's going to go away, and you may not see her. I mean, I thought about, sometimes we forget that everybody's a phone call away or FaceTime away or Skype away, and you can just get them like this. But this is not so. Even like 100 years ago, this was not so. It was write a letter, and a week later you find out. We were watching a show, and this, his father died, but in another country, and I thought, wouldn't that be strange that you wouldn't find out that your own father or mother died until weeks later? And it's already passed. They've already mourned it, and then you find out. 
here at Oikos, we believe that when you listen to the Lord, it's called this thing, the learning circle. It's a great thing to kind of push into your life where you begin with an observation. That's really his voice pushing through. You take that observation and you begin to reflect on it. You pray about it. You respond to the Lord and you go, is this what you're saying? Is this really what you're trying to push into my life? And then you take it to your fellow people, your family, your oikos, and you say, hey, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing the Lord press in and invite me to push into his kingdom this way. It seems to line up with scripture and what I know from the Lord, what he's revealed to us. So what do you think? And you get the responses and you really you go back into observation. You observe what they were telling you about and you reflect on it again. And you keep pushing through until kind of a plan begins to form of what you should do. Now we see Abraham's servant kind of go through this. He's observing and reflecting. I don't know how he's doing discussing except directly with the Lord. But he puts a plan together and he executes it. You call someone in to keep you accountable, and that's really because we're weak, right? Especially in those things that seem hard. So you hear the Lord invite you into praying with a coworker, and you go, I don't know. They're going to think I'm weird. But if you go to another coworker who you trust, you go, hey, I think the Lord is asking me to pray with this person. Can you ask me tomorrow if I've accomplished that or if the Lord gave me opportunity to do that? It allows you to kind of move forward going, I can't put any excuses in this. I can't delay myself. Because really in the story of a legitimate delay, right? Ten days. This servant doesn't worry about messing this whole thing up that if he says no, that the mother and the brother will say, well, then you can't have her. He says, the Lord has accomplished something and I need to go back. Don't delay me. This is what I've been sent to do. When you have accountability, when you act on what the Lord does, great things happen. For Isaac, it was a family beginning. The servant returned with this lady from, that I guess was hopefully like a third cousin, I don't know, but part of the family. She comes back, she's beautiful. Isaac, he doesn't go, oh, I'm not sure. He falls in love. And we know from Scripture, he really, really loved Rebecca. So I wonder, as a church, do we work through listening to the Lord and accomplish the things that he's laid out for us to do? Or do we allow things to delay us? And maybe they're not so legitimate sometimes. Often I've heard myself say this, and I think others have said this, that the Lord reveals something, and then they say, oh, I'll do that when I have more time. 
I mean, our listening skills can be horrible. Honestly, I think our listening skills are horrible. You can be in the middle of worship and you're reading your email. How many people have done that? Absolutely. Thank you for being honest, Ken Rogers. <laughs> right? Or you can have a notification come up on your phone and all of a sudden Jesus is second important. I mean, that's what you're saying. And this is more important. That's what we do. We don't want to claim it. We can be in the middle of listening to, I mean, this is what our theology is. Is it the Lord supposed to be speaking through me right now? So you're supposed to be listening to me, but you're, you're in another world. Because you're like, is it my time? We've got that thing. Hey, do we have that thing later? What, what's going on? Uh, I am so hungry. I wish I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, what was he saying? Is Jason going to sing three songs at the end? So I hope it's just like a half. Right? Our listening skills to what the Lord is saying to us, we can be diverted in so many things. We can hear him say, I want you to be generous, and we'll go, well, I'll be generous when all my bills are paid. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let me enlighten you. That will never happen. <laughs> There's studies on you can be making 40000 and then get a raise to 70000 and within a year not even realize you got a raise because we just spend it. So are we listening? Is he pressing upon your heart? And when he invites you, and I... I love that word invitation because the Lord doesn't put things on you to oppress you. The Lord does not speak to you to oppress you. He brings freedom. So when you listen to him, he's not trying to push you down. But our response often is, what do you mean, worship weekly? Be in a missional community? Have to be with people? Read his word daily? Oh, this is so hard. If you view it that way, it will be hard. If you view that it's your work to try to get these things done, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be oppressive. You're going to get like, I can't be a Christian or I can't be a disciple. But if you take the perspective that the Lord is inviting you into this and he doesn't mark a box for you every time you read his word. It's not like I read his word like six different times this morning so I get three, you know, six checks. So I'm much better now. That's not how it works. The invitation is that he goes, Aaron, I want you to know my voice. Because when you have daily encounters, I want you to be able to speak for me. And I don't want you to speak out of your butt. Right? I mean, how many of us do that? Just, that's a raise all your hands, right? <laughs> when you don't know what to say, you just speak out of your butt. Well, you're supposed to. 
be listening and saying, Lord, what do you want me to say? That's the lesson we learn from Abraham's servant. Lord, what do you want to have happen here? How do you want me to go about it? And then in the middle of it, to start to see his glory revealed. That's where we rejoice in worship. That's when worship doesn't become a task that you go and do, but it's a response of what he has done. I want you to get there. I'm not there. I am not there. There are times when I go, I'll call it an invitation, but Lord, this is not an invitation. I don't want to do that. But the more I sit with him and the more I trust him, the more the things that I thought I would never want to do, and I'll tell you, preaching is one of them. I never wanted to do this. Never. Never, ever, ever, ever. Didn't want to do this. I definitely didn't want to do it weekly. But the more I sit with him, the more I start to see the invitation that he presses upon our lives. And when we accept that invitation to do things that we don't want to do or we don't think we're equipped to do or we don't think we can do, he does them. So the invitation from the Lord, when you hear his voice inviting you to do something for him, he's not saying you go do it. He's saying, I'm going to do it and you get to be with me. What if we viewed what he asked us to do that way? You're going to read the word, but I'm going to supply the meaning. You're going to go about this task, but I'm going to do the work. I'm in it with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray that you would guide us this morning as we listen to your voice. That you have given us an invitation to have life with Jesus. And that invitation is different than any other. It's different than any other religion in the world or any other faith. It's an invitation where you do everything and we tag along. Lord, I thank you that you've called us into a family where you give us responsibility. But before you ever do that, you give us your relationship. That we aren't nameless servants that run around who try to accomplish things so that you can see what we've done and be proud of us. But we have been named your children in whom you're already proud and when you give us responsibilities, it's just so that you can spend time with us. May that truth rest on our hearts. That we don't bring about your kingdom, that we don't bring about transformation, that we can't change our lives. But we have an invitation to be with you. And the more times we're with you, the more you change us. Because that's who you are. You're a God of restoration. So we ask, Lord, that you take these old and 
sometimes new but messed up or dirty or chaotic lives that we live and breathe restoration into us. Lord, may we hold on to that weapon of testimony and know that as we share our story of how you have worked in this world and how you're working in us, that we will defeat Satan in all of his ways as you become very, very present in this world. And remind us when we are unsure what to pray, that we have the prayer that your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 5, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God, who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. Amen.